Hello, welcome to a very special episode of Las Musas podcast. My name is Anika Lemoy Denise. I am the author of fiction and nonfiction picture books, including Planting Stories, The Life of Librarian and Storyteller, Ura Del Rey, A Girl Named Rosita, The Story of Rita Moreno, Actor, Singer, Dancer, Trailblazer, and my forthcoming in 2022 biography, Phenomenal AOC, The Roots and Rise of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm also a 2021 Madrina in the Las Musas Mentorship Program. If you would like to know more about the Madrinas Hermanas Mentorship or more about Las Musas, you can visit lasmusas.com. I also highly recommend checking out latinxkidlitbookfestival.com where you will find information about the 2021 festival, which will be held December 9th through the 11th. The inaugural Latinx Kidlet Festival held last year in 2020 was amazing. So mark your calendars, sign up for the newsletter. You don't want to miss it. Okay, vamos, onto the show. <laughs> Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with two amazing musas who will be talking about their new picture book releases. Ana Siquera of the, is the author of Bella's Recipe for Success, a delectable tale of dulce de leche, Bovarones and Perseverance. Dana Barbaiguera is the author of the Pura Bel Prey honor winning <laughs> middle grade novel, Lupe Wong Won't Dance, and coming later this summer, a new novel, The Last Guentista, as well as the picture book we are celebrating today, El Cucuy is Scared Too. Bienvenidas, Ana y Dana. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Gracias. So just to give listeners a little taste, pardon the pun, Anna, of these two books, <laughs> would you both, um, would you read us a, little, a page or two? Sure. So I'm um, start with the, the beginning. So uh, in the illustration, you're going to see Bella with her grandma. And she says, I'm helping Abuela in the kitchen when I can play the piano with my eyes closed, mi hermano brags. So what, mi hermana says, I can do 14 cartwheels in a row. Abuela says, oh, stop. We are all good at different things. We are, but what am I good at? Maybe I can be a fabulosa gymnast like my sister, but my somersaults are like giraffes rolling downhill. Nope. <laughs> not fabulosa or maybe a great piano player like my brother but my hands are like heavy as elephant's feet and my music is not popular with my audience nope not great at all <laughs> I, I love that that was fabulosa. Um, Donna, can you read that's to us? That's a hard act to follow. Can I read mine? Uh, I know, she's such a good reader. I, that's why I love asking um, writers to read their own words because they always read it in such a way that um, we're really engaged. Well, I will read the beginning of El Cucuy is Scared Too. And it opens with mom peering into Ramon's room while he is playing with toys on the ground. Go to bed, Ramon, or El Cucuy will come get you. But Ramon can't sleep. El Cucuy can't sleep either. 
El Kukui is making noise in that image. And boom, you are not as scared of me. You were always terrified of me before. Other things are scarier to me now, Ramon says. El Kukui sighs, yo también. I miss our old casita, Ramon says. Yo también, El Kukui's shoulders sag. I miss our old home too. I miss the desert wind and the coyotes singing. Woo, woo. Dios mío, what is that? Está bien, Ramon reassures El Kukui. It is only the new sounds of where we live now. We will get used to it. But Ramon worries. This new school is much bigger. What if the library doesn't have a quiet corner where I can read? You are right. Everything here is larger and lighter, El Kukui says. There are so few small dark places where I can hide. Don't be nervous. You will learn where things are. If you are scared, I can ask a teacher or librarian where there is a safe place for you to go. But now I am thinking, the kids at my new school, they might not be like my old friends, Ramon says. What if my clothes are not like theirs? What if they make fun of the way I speak? Maybe I should not talk at all. El Kukui sighs. I don't have any amigos here either. I don't feel like growling or howling. No one will even know to be afraid of me. Oh, oh that was Kukui. fantastic. <laughs> Poor Kukui. <laughs> so I am not scary anymore, are you, El Kukui? <laughs> Well, they have to see the illustrations. So he's adorable. <laughs> he's, a, he is. he's not too scary in those either. He's really cute. He's adorable. Yeah. But um, I enjoyed both of these books so much. And I love that they share a book birthday, July 13th. Woohoo! I know. Um, <laughs> because um, you are also critique partners. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. this, it so, makes me really emotional thinking about this part of it this is just how the universe works and made this happen for anna and i yeah that's really that's really great it's very very special that you can share you shared the journey and now you can share mm -hmm. this celebration um can you talk a little bit about that about how you became critique partners and what it's been like for you to have the support of other writers on your journey yes sure uh well i was uh, trying to build a group called las chicas latinas is the name <laughs> of my group and i started like looking at people like if i would um i was on the 12 by 12 and some other uh, uh, forums and i would like their critiques or like their uh, stories and i would invite them but then we wanted more people i don't remember donna where did i put a, a call for more I actually, charges. I heard about it from Caitlin Sanchez and uh, um, she yeah. and I had been working together in another critique group. And I will say, I think part of, I was so excited about Las Chicas Latinas because, um, you know, growing up in the United States, uh, my Spanish isn't perfect. I was told when I was younger that I had street Spanish. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that part of it was the language aspect, but I wanted to do it in what felt like a safe place. I think that writing is mm -hmm. can be scary and it's, you know, and I said, okay, I'm going to try this. And I was just welcomed with open arms and found that other people had the same struggles that I did and we helped yes. one another. It was wonderful. Yes. Yeah. But Donna already had sold the book, right? When you came, you had already sold the cuckoo. 
Gosh, I, you know what? You I, were I working remember. on it because I remember that you yeah. asked us to look at the Spanish. Yes, I was. I, I hadn't thinking. sold it yet. I don't think uh. I'd sold it yet. I think that I was almost done with it. It, it was mm. getting ready to go on submission. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that. Yeah. I remember we, we look at it a, a few times and Donna was super patient with me because when I started writing, it was just like when I started writing, I would write one story per day and I would submit to Las Chicas. <laughs> he was prolific. <laughs> Wow, okay. that is it impressive. So Every much. Week and I was like, would send a story. The daughter was super patient. She explained to me, I said, oh, maybe you should slow down a little. <laughs> well, I think that, it, you know, um, it, it was, we were all working on different projects and mm -hmm. Anna's mind is fascinating. She just can come <laughs> up with so many different stories and um, yeah, I, it was, I was nervous cause I didn't think I could keep up because <laughs> um, we, we kind of have a commitment to critique each other's work as well. And, uh -huh. and I was having, I was falling behind and I think that I was like, well, can we like make a calendar? <laughs> yeah. No, That's a good are way calmer. to do it. Yeah. It's calmer now. And I'm just submitting one story a month. I'm trying to come up. Yeah. But you, you. Yeah, Anna, you are prolific. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's interesting in critique groups because everyone kind of goes at their own speed. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. you also have people in different, like, parts of the journey of publishing. Like you were saying, Donna had, you know, was close to selling her book and then others who are, who are uh, pre-published. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always interesting dynamics. But when you find a critique group that, you value and that really um you can all be at different parts of the journey and and still feel like um you have um i don't know if it was all women in this i guess so if it was less chicas yes, <laughs> um, yes. but you have like a sisterhood you know there and yes, and writers is. who have your back so so and the, the fun things to see that everybody was growing together. We really all grew together. Most Absolutely. of the uh, last chicas now either have an agent or sold a book. So everybody's growing and, and you can see the difference in our stories from the beginning and now. And, you know, we all help each other so much. So mm -hmm. it's a yeah. wonderful group. Yeah, That's great. It's so important to have, to have yeah. people in your corner and supporting you and cheering you on. Okay, so let's talk about um, these two books that we're here to celebrate today. Anna, do you want to start with Bella's Recipe for Success? I mean, I really, I personally really love books with food and familia and recipes that I can actually try and make. <laughs> um, so tell us about how the idea first came to you and the path this book took to publication. Okay, well, the, that was my, the second story I wrote. <laughs> So probably Donna saw that like a hundred times. So um, the really um, my inspiration was my daughter because she was always, she's really gifted, a really gifted girl. And she was very perfectionist, like all the gifted kids. And she was always expected to be one of the best. She said, okay, if I'm not the best, I'm not, in some 
she would quit. Like she was in gymnast, but she was not one of the best. She was doing fine because she was like five years old. You don't need to be the best. But then said, oh, now I don't want to do gymnast anymore. So I noticed, you know, that her problem is like she wanted to be one of the best and she wasn't. And um, also I'm an educator. So we were talking a lot about growth mindset, right? About letting the kids know that it's okay to make mistakes and that's how you learn. So I got inspired by those um, two situations and I wanted to write a book about not quitting. So the book was not even anything about uh, baking. It was a girl who was not, who used to quit at everything, but she was really, she was uh, participating in a writing competition because I guess there was a little bit of me there. <laughs> And then I changed it so much that at the end it was baking. And then there was a baking competition, but then I just, no, no more competition. So this story changed a lot, a lot from the beginning. Um, and the way uh, I got to publication, it was through a Twitter, Pete Matt, Pete Matt. Pitmad, right? Pitmad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I got a like from uh, the editor from Beaming Books, Naomi Kruger. And um, I submitted to her. And I'm never going to forget the day I submitted to her because it was the day my mom died. And it was just a few hours. So it was October 22nd, 2019. That, uh, oh, yeah. That I, I submitted to her. And maybe a month after, she made me an offer. And, and then that's when I got my agent. So that's how... My, my path was a little different. I got first the offer and then the agent. And that is the story of Abelius. That is um, amazing. And you remember the day because it was an emotional day, but maybe it was also um, a little gift from your mom. <laughs> I, I, I truly believe that because yeah. um, it was just a few hours. That she, we don't even know because she was already like in coma. So we don't even know if she was already on the other side, but you know, after uh, she died, I saw this book and I saw three more books all in one year. So I said, my mom was always very hard worker person. She was always mm -hmm. working, working, even when she was 75, 80, she was always working, doing stuff. So I said, she's working really hard. <laughs> <laughs> really stuck, stalking, you know, everybody to do things for, for us, for the kids. So yeah, I truly believe she worked hard and it was a gift from her. That's, that's, that's lovely. Donna, you have one novel out and another on the way, but El Pupui is Scared Too is your picture book debut. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've taken El Pupui. I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, so it was El Cuco for me growing up. Oh, very good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love that you've taken the spooky legends and flipped it in a unique way. Can you talk about El Pupui for listeners who aren't as familiar and how the idea for the book came to you? Yeah, definitely. So um, I, you know, I was, I, as you said, I'm a novel writer and I wasn't really a picture book writer. I had lots of picture book ideas, but I didn't know the process. And so I was actually taking a picture book, an online picture book writing class. It's called Children's Book Academy. And um, there was a writing prompt and I know I'm going to get it wrong, but this was actually one of the first 
like official picture books that I, I wrote. I had lots of ideas and things, but the prompt was take the thing that scared you the most as a child and somehow make it less scary. And I think I may have like heard make it vulnerable or something else, but I don't know if that was the, the writing prompt, but um, I chose El Kukui because I thought, okay, what scared me the most as a child besides great white sharks? I was from the Jaws generation. <laughs> so, but um, I thought of how, when I was a child, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house and she had this little tiny bedroom. And if I didn't go to bed, she would come in and I just can totally imagine her to this day, opening up the door and peeking in and say, go to sleep or El Kukui will come get you. And she would describe El Kukui. And I, as we all know, I didn't know it at the time, but um, when we think of El Kukui or like for you, El Kuko, he's very vivid. You know, the boogeyman in the US is kind of esoteric. Nobody knows what it looks like. It's like, oh, the boogeyman. And he lives under the bed and there's no description. But El Kukui was hairy and had fangs and, you know, bloody claws. And, and I was she would describe him. I never saw him, but in my mind I did. And he was in the closet, but she also had this like really big cactus plant in her corner. And I always imagined his shadow like creeping and he's, he's getting closer. He's hiding behind the cactus plant. And so I decided to use El Kukui. And, but then I thought of, okay, how am I going to make him less scary? And I realized that if you take something that's really, really scary and you make that scary thing scared of something else. <laughs> like if, if El Kukui is scared of something, then that thing is really scary. And I thought, okay, what scares children? And I thought, oh, we all have apprehension of the first day of school or starting a new school altogether. And so I thought it might be a great way taking this universal theme of kids being afraid of something and showing how the scariest thing in the universe, El Kukui, is scared of starting school as well. And so, um, but I, at the time, I still didn't realize that everybody, like that it was a cultural thing and everybody at least knew of El Kukui or even in other countries that there was El Kuku. I think Anna was along for the ride when I realized people started saying, oh, you, you know, it's El Kuku in this country and La Cuca and this. And I think Anna, was it you who told me it was La Cuca and then it was an alligator woman or something? Yes, and I, yes. And I, and I, and I is an alligator like, oh, witch God. with blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a really bizarre. And I, you realize a lot of uh, Mexican folklore and other, you know, South American folklore is really creepy and weird <laughs> compared to U.S. folklore. But that's kind of where this story came from. And it's been a journey because I learned so much more than just my little tiny, you know, idea of what El Kukui was and what it meant. I learned a lot along the way. And I've made friends through it, you know, people talking about their El Kukui or like kind of the stories they heard. And, and I think it's universal too, that these stories backfired. Like if our parents and grandparents said, go to bed or El Kukui is going to come get you, you're laying in bed wide awake, worried. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but that is such a fun, um, like cultural differences that, you know, these were really scary things. Like you were describing it from the cactus and that was really um, 
you know, this, I could, I could feel that how you must've felt as a little girl looking at that cactus and thinking about something here with fangs coming in to get you. And yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's just so cool how you, I love what you said about um, how do you make, you know, something scary, less scary, make it scared of something else. And it's, I love that line that you read um, when Ramon says, I have other things to be scared about now, or I'm not saying it exactly right, but um, that was like, I thought a really poignant and powerful line as well. You know, it's almost like that line between what you're scared of when you're really little and then like the actual scary things like going to school and making friends, you know, that becomes even, even more of the scary thing. So I just love this. And I thought it was interesting how both books kind of share not only a book birthday, but a similar theme of really conquering fears. You know, for Bella, it's getting over her fear of not being good at something and embracing imperfection, not giving up. For Ramon, it had to do with finding the courage to go to a new school, fit in, make new friends. And Anna, like you were saying, teachers can use both books to explore lots of themes, growth mindset, bravery, empathy, but at their heart, they are also just really fun stories. So can you talk a little bit about balancing that in a picture book text? Like having a message that that parents and educators will appreciate, but wrapped up in appealing, kid-friendly storytelling. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, my story is always, I like to have a lot of action, a lot of things going on, sometimes too much. I, I've been learning to cut a little. So, um, but what I've, like, once I saw a suggestion, I think it was on Twitter, of was a webinar, I don't know, we, we, we do so many webinars and it's always learning things. I, Dev Petty, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. Dev Petty, yes. Yeah, and she said like, always think about like my stories about X, the plot, right? But mm -hmm. really is about, and that's the theme. So, you know, you're going to incorporate the theme in your story, but really you have to think about the plot. So you have to do both at the same time, really. So my team was don't quit, have a growth mindset, but I wanted to be fun. I really always like to add a lot of humor. That's like Donna, Donna won the, the prize of the, the funniest writer ever. And so, <laughs> and she's even tried to- I don't think that's quite what it was, but I'll take it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to convince her, she's trying to convince her family, right Donna? They are not exactly. yet, but- Keep saying that, Anna, and I'll give you my children's email after this. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you let them hear to the podcast, because for me, you are the, the funnest writer. Right? So you try to add humor, you try to add a plot, if you have a message, Make sure you're not preaching, you're not saying the sentence, you have to have a growth mindset or anything like that, right? You just try to make the story, incorporate the, incorporate the theme, but in a fun way with a plot, with things going on. And uh, my critique partners know that I always like to add tension. Oh, do that, add tension, add tension, add drama. So I like that. So I think it's uh, basically that. Just try to really think on a fun plot for the kids. Try to think as a kid what they would enjoy to read and think it's funny and, and, uh, and relate, right? Because they will be able to relate to Bella and to all the disasters that she goes through. 
So <laughs> relatable. So relatable. How about you, Donna? Well, I think that um, I got totally wrapped up in what Anna was saying. So I forgot. <laughs> That's okay. I kind of did too. <laughs> I forgot my question. Um, so I guess for me, like when I'm, when I'm writing, I'm always writing from a child's perspective and how the child would feel. So quite frankly, I don't think I have in mind what a, an adult or teacher or, you know, what a parent might feel. I want to, I think of myself as a child and the, the books that felt magical to me. And, and normally I just had such a vivid imagination as a child. I try to go back there and I feel like if I can connect with a child on that level, kids, you know, I think want to escape and have vivid imaginations. And if they can read a book and escape into that character and be in their mind, then you've accomplished the goal. But like Anna said, you, you don't want to do it feeling preachy or um, telly. Like you don't want to tell a child, well, you know, Ramon is afraid because he's starting a new school. Have you ever been afraid starting a new school? We should all get together and talk about how we're all afraid of starting a new school. <laughs> so I think if you just show through the scene that, you know, both Ramon and El Kukui are afraid, and just show their interaction, then you're going to connect with a child. Um, I think we run the risk as writers. And again, like Anna was saying, if you, you know, if, if everything's very plot driven and you have everything labeled out, this is what's going to happen in my book. And if you just do that bit by bit, you're missing so much more of what those themes are and the themes come about through characters and and how they feel and the emotions that they feel so the plot is great but ultimately you want to just show interaction and show characters because that's where where the themes and feelings are going to come from but there's a kid in every adult. So ultimately teachers and librarians reading these will go, oh my gosh, I felt that way when I was little too. And so we're all just, you know, we are still children and grownups bodies. And so I think that um, we can all connect with these things because even though they're universal for kids, we've all been there and, and um, we can empathize with um, vulnerabilities and fears and, uh, everything that a child feels adults still feel. And when they read this, it trans, you know, just takes us back to that time when we were a child too, and we can feel all those same things and we can all relate. I agree. And I love that. And I think those, the way I say it is those are the picture books with heart, you know, <laughs> and heart might be humor or heart might be universal truth that it, it manifests in different ways. And there's also that piece where you let the illustrations do some of the storytelling in picture books and you leave room for that, knowing that they'll do some of the lifting. So speaking of illustrations, you both collaborated with wonderful illustrators, Geraldine Rodriguez and Juliana Perdomo. Describe the moment you first saw the art for your books. Well, the funny thing, the first thing I saw was the cover. 
And uh, it's funny because for the Bruja, I was talking to my illustrator and Alfredo said, the cover's the last thing I do. I said, well, Bayard was the first thing. And I love it. When she sent me the cover, I said, oh my gosh, Bayard is so cute. I think she's so cute. She's like, I'm going to have to buy a doll later because I think she's so cute. And I love the color, the, you know, the ye yellow is my favorite color. I don't know how she knew because I didn't tell her. But but I really, really uh, was so happy when I saw the illustration, like the cover. And, you know, it was one year before the, the book was coming out and I had to show my cover. So I asked the editor, can I show? I was going to participate on the panel. Can I do like my cover review right now? I cannot wait because <laughs> I am like that. <laughs> so she told me, yeah, okay, go ahead. So. I don't know. I love, I love the illustrations. And then when I saw uh, the sketches um, and they asked me like, oh, little opinions here and there. It's a, it's a big emotion. You know, you can feel like how much more they can add to the story with all the facial expressions. She nailed the facial expression, like when she's sad, when she's happy, because she goes through so many feelings and she really nailed all the, the expressions. And, you know, I'm very happy with all my illustrators for my other books. Like the last, the, the, my third one now is for Eliza Chavari and she's sending me her sketch. I cry. I said, oh my gosh, this story is so much, so strong now. I didn't think it was that strong before. And Irena Freitas, her illustrations are very like, um, very energetic. Oh, very, oh, it adds so much energy to the story. So it's such a beautiful process. I really, really enjoy it and it's fun. Sometimes you get scared because I don't know if they know what I imagine, but they will always imagine better than you. So it's always a good surprise. And do you include art notes or are you a non-art note? I include artist. a little, yeah. I include a little depending on the story. For example, the Bruja story, if a babysitter is a Bruja, because it was an un unrelatable narrator, she will say something, but really something else is happening. I had to, to put it on there. Irena didn't follow all. She did much better. But I, I think like for the editor to understand, normally like for my critique partners, I put a lot of notes. So they don't ask me what is going on. <laughs> so I put a lot of notes and then with my agent, we remove the notes that we don't think it's necessary, you know, but depending on the book, I put more or less. I don't think I put a lot of for, for Bella's. I didn't need that many notes, but um, for the Bruja, yes, I needed a lot of uh, art notes because it was a book like she was saying, like, for example, she's dunking me in a cauldron and she was really putting her on the bathtub. So, you know, you had to add <laughs> something there for her to, to realize what was going on. So, yeah. I, I can't wait for that one as well. Um, <laughs> tell listeners the title and when, the, when that's releasing. Uh, if Your Babysitter is a Bruja, that is also coming in Spanish, is releasing in 2022, June 2022, Simon Kids and illustrated by Irena Freitas. And Abuela Super Capa is coming winter 2023 um, with Collins illustrated by um, Elisa Savari. And the other one for 2024, we don't know yet. I just submitted to them. I'm waiting 
to see if they're going to choose that one or we're going to have to send another one. I told you yes. she was prolific. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. I read about her in the deal report, in the rights reports, like every week. I'm like, oh, there's Onyx. <laughs> there's Onyx <Anna> again. <laughs> Amazing. There's you. That's exciting. Well, I, we can't wait for all of those books sound amazing. Um, so we talked, Donna, we talked about how cute El Cucuy is. And do you want to talk a little bit about the illustrations and seeing those for the first time and sure. what that so, was like? Well, you know, a lot of times I think um, people who are writing in the beginning stages too don't realize that you typically, you have no say in who the illustrator will be because the publisher typically decides who that will be. So when I, my agent had asked me to try writing this picture book, I, so I sent, you know, I sent her the few that I had written and that I had worked on with Las Chicas Latinas and, and, and um, she really liked El Cucuy and I sent it to her, I think on a Wednesday and I didn't hear back from her and I was getting kind of nervous. I was like, okay, how long does it take to read the picture book? I'm not hearing back that weekend. I had gone with my critique group on a retreat. And Sunday, we're kind of getting ready to leave. We're all having breakfast together. And I get an email from my agent and it had an attachment and I pulled it up and I was like, what? And it was, it was a, a cover of El Cucuy is scared too. And it was beautiful. And it had El Cucuy and Ramon. And she said, this is an illustrator with our same agency um, Stimola Literary Studios, and her name is Juliana Perdomo, and she is in Bogota. And they had been looking for maybe a project that, you know, would something that she would like. And they sent her my book, and she knew exactly who El Cucuy was and for her, which I think you kind of have to know who El Cucuy is. But the weird thing for me was, and of course, like Anna, I just got super emotional and got goosebumps because I thought I was so alone with who El Kukui was and I'm pulling up this PDF with this adorable little hairy monster with fangs and claws I'm like how did she get in my mind and then I realized I'm not the only one with El Kukui and they I guess they're described fairly similarly except hers had a little hood and um in Colombia I think it is called El Cuco or maybe El Coco but anyway she knew exactly the spirit of the book. And like Anna said, could show the emotion of the characters and illustrators are magical. They, like Anna said, they can do so much more with what, like you have an image in your mind of what you're, you know, and that's what, what we get attached to as writers. And then illustrators are there to come and obliterate and blow that up and make it way better than what we ever thought it could possibly be. And um, Julie did that with El Kukui. And so that was the first time I ever saw it. And um, then it was submitted um, to a couple of houses and Abram's kids, Emma Ledbetter, um, who is a lead editor for children's books at, at picture books at um, Abram's kids acquired it not long after. And it's absolute like, you know, Juliana's illustrations are absolutely what sold this book. I mean, it's, they're, they're wonderful. And, and I just, I look at them all the time and just go, wow, this is way surpasses what I ever would have thought. They really do suit the, the, your story so, so beautifully. And it's interesting because that usually happens 
you know, after. Absolutely. Yeah. That was what was so weird. And so like it was sold as like a package and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. usually it's up to the art director and editor and that's an art in itself to kind of understand the spirit of the text and know how to pair it with the correct illustrator, but you guys um, came together and that probably made it um, a much stronger submission and something that I'm sure editors were fighting over. So, <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, I mean, I I think I look at the story and I go, okay, wow, you know, I really like this story that I wrote, but the illustrations take it just to a completely different level. So, yeah, it's she did an amazing job. So, Donna, I have to mention this because it's so, so recent. I just had the pleasure of listening to your award speech at the recent. Um, <laughs> 25th anniversary Pura del Grey Award Celebración, um, where you spoke so beautifully about writing books that Latinx kids can see themselves in, and in particular biracial Latinx kids, which really spoke to my heart as a biracial, bicultural Latina. So first I want to say felicidades on the award. And can you um, tell us a little bit about how it felt to be honored for Lupe Wong Won't Dance and what it was like to get the call? Well, okay. So first of all, it came completely out of the blue. I think there were a few people that knew my husband and my editor had conspired. So I would be completely surprised by the phone call, but it's the last thing, you know, when you're right. And especially when I started writing the, this book, that's the last thing that would ever enter your mind that it would win an award. And then on top of that, win the Pura Bel Pre, which is, you know, as somebody who writes for, a certain, you know, I'm writing for kids like I was and kids, Latinx kids to have that happen to me is so huge. And so of course, so the call, my husband, we, we were at, um, we weren't home. So we were in where there wasn't much cell phone reception. So he drove into town and we were going through a coffee stand when the call came and it's, I go, this is weird because we all get so many spam and robo calls. I wasn't going to answer it. I'm like, that's weird. And I think it said New York, but it was like something, it wasn't like a regular call. It said like group call, New York, New York. And I was like, well, this yeah. is, weird. it comes from a cell phone answer. half the time, yeah. right? <laughs> it, so you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And my husband goes, you need to answer that. And I like looked at him like, okay, there's something going on. So I answered it and, um, I don't even remember what happened after that. They, I know they said Buddha Bell Prey and I know I started crying and mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh, this is the worst part. I was so nervous. I was clenching my feet and then I got a toe cramp. And then of course I get the toe cramp and then I tell them I have a toe cramp. So I'm like this. <laughs> so you can never plan for these things because I wasn't expecting it. And so when it happened and this poor girl in the coffee stand sees me crying in the car and is like, what the heck is going on? But anyway, yeah, so it completely floored me. And then of course the ceremony where they announce it is the next day and you have to keep it secret. And it was less than 24 hours. I had to keep it secret, but I was just bursting at the seams. But I think that, you know, there are other honor and medal winners of the Pura Bel Pre. And I think we all have in common this feeling of it's, it's, it's such a um, heartfelt award because it has to do with representation and writing books for kids like ourselves. And so I think we all have in common a lot of tears and emotions that 
that come with it. And I'm just forever grateful, but I think of anything and any accolades that the Lupe Wong got as a book, that was the one that probably was just the most heartfelt for me. That's such a great story. I love hearing the story of the call. Um, and <laughs> a lot of people say like, you know, I just, I don't remember what happened because it, your, your mind does kind of go blank. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what makes it also such a beautiful experience is that you can really, you know, feel um, when you're talking about it, I can really feel that the profound joy of the moment. And as someone who was lucky enough to get one of those calls, I, I did forget everything. And then I, the first thing I thought of was I just, my dad would be so proud, you know, <laughs> and my people would be so proud and I hope I've made my community proud. So, and you, let me tell you, you both are making your communities proud with the writing you're doing. Um, I just, I, I'm huge fans of both your work and um, so excited for what's coming. Donna, you have a novel coming in end of August, right? Yes. Yeah. It's well, they may. <laughs> so I just got a call last night. It looks like there are some shipping delays. There are apparently container issues. And so it's, um, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. I we're so fortunate, Anna, that our books, you know, got this, we're coming out this month because there are all these issues with shipping and it has to do with what's happened in the last year. I think part of it is what happened with in Panama, but, um, in lack of shipping containers, but it's going to be pushed back to September. But yeah, the last Quintista um, is going to, it again, like comes out shortly after this book. So yeah, but it'll, it's going to be delayed by a little bit, but um, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that it's, it's the, the advanced copies are already out and I'm hearing people's feedback. And again, I'm getting emotional because I think that it's so you're, as a writer, we get so nervous. People don't realize when a book's coming out, we worry so much about the reception that it's going to get. And it's the advanced copies just came out a few weeks ago and it already has two stars. So I'm just like, okay, I got a Kirkus star and um, I believe a publisher's weekly. So I'm like, okay, at least one or two people liked it. <laughs> So, so, um, I'm, I'm a little bit less nervous, but yeah, it's, it's, it, again, this book is so much a part of who I am and, and my community and Mexican folklore and mythology mixed with sci-fi. So I'm, you know, I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm happy. I mean, it's coming out a little bit delayed, but now I'm rambling, but yeah. It, yeah, no, it's <laughs> worth, worth the, worth the little bit extra weight. And I, I can't wait to read it. Um, Anna, we've already been through, so, you have so many books coming. <laughs> You've told us about them. Um, anything else that you have coming up that you want to mention? And oh, both of you, tell us where we can celebrate uh, with you um, for the launch of these books, of these picture books. Okay, my launch is going to be uh, July 17th, 11th Central, 12th, my time Eastern, with the Writing Barn. So um, if they go to Entombolo Books, is a, a bookstore, um, St. Pete, close to my house. 
So if you want to find where it is, just go to the Writing Barn classes and you're going to see free class because it's a free virtual lounge and it's going to be July 17 at 12. So I would love to see people. You can bring your kids because I am an elementary teacher. So I will include some games because that's how I teach. I teach with a lot of games. So bring the kids. We're going to have games. We're going to have fun activities. Um, yeah, and I hope to see a lot of my critic partners. I have so many, so and will you read the book in Spanish as well? Well, sometimes when I do uh, presentations for the schools, I do mm -hmm. bilingual. So I can yeah. read a, a few a few pages in Spanish too. Yeah. Oh, does this book have a Spanish edition? This one, no. Because no, okay. I don't think Beaming Books do Spanish. All the other ones, yes. The other ones are going to come with Spanish edition. That's awesome. I love this simultaneous um, yeah. Spanish edition. That's It's always so cool when that comes out. And it's great that you both use so much Spanish in, you know, you sprinkle it in so beautifully in both of, of these books. Um, we didn't talk a lot about that, but I want to mention that. Um, that that is an art in itself. And um, it make they make for really wonderful read-alouds. Donna, where can we celebrate with you for El Cucuy? So El Cucuy, I'm going to have my book launch party on that day. So July 13th. July 13th. At, um, it will be at Brick and Mortar Books in Redmond Town Center in Redmond, Washington. And I, it's going to be mostly virtual. Um, I will have links, uh, Zoom links, if people want to come, they can see that, find that uh, through Redmond Town Center's website. I think it actually said, or it's actually brick and mortar. It'll say brickandmortarbooks.com and then you can go to events and they will have the, the Zoom link so people can come there as well. Um, but like I said, it's mostly virtual and um, yeah, I don't think mine is, mine is not going to be translated as far as I know either. Lupe Wong is, Lupe Wong is coming out very, Lupe Wong Won't Dance is going to be out very soon in Spanish, and they are going to do a Spanish edition as well as uh, for the Las Cuentistas, so I, it just, those, again, those are things that just make me so emotional, knowing that kids will be able to read these books, both in English and Spanish, but, um, and I think I'll put the Zoom link as well on, on my website, it's uh dbegeta.com. Okay. Well, yes, definitely check out both of these wonderful authors' websites for more information about their launches. Um, and also go to the lasmusas.com website and you can see, um, you can learn a little bit more about these books and others and other authors in the collective. So thank you so much. It was such a joy talking to you. Um, I'm so excited for all the projects that you have. And it was absolutely a pleasure to get a little bit more behind the scenes about them. So happy book birthday. Well, just thank one more thing to add. Oh, sure. July 13th is also my birthday. Oh, Anna, it was my, you know, that's so, what a great thing. My mother, it's my mother's birthday too. She passed yes. away shortly before the, before uh, the pandemic, but I know she will be watching and that makes me so yeah. happy. That yeah. makes sense. My mother was an educator and she is a lot like you in her, uh, just an advocate for kids. 
I would have, as a kid, would you not have loved to have Anna as a teacher and <laughs> the energy? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yes, my, well, my, my students used to say, we don't go to class, we go to a, a, an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> an experiment and an experience. Yes. And um, yes, Anna, you have joyful energy and it comes through in your writing. So, and I think it's so beautiful that you get to celebrate your birthday and your book's birthday on the same day and Donna's mom's birthday. So happy things. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're going to wrap up now. Happy reading. Happy writing. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.